Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. Lionel Messi! We're all Messi fans today. We're all Messi fans. He's turned it on. He's taken Argentina to a World Cup final. The, the last dance is all set up. Everything is perfect and ready to go, just like the boys on the pod today. We've got Kieran, aka Trujista Sancho, but I just can't call you that, man. Like, it just don't feel right to me to call someone who's like <laughs> so many years younger than me by his Twitter handle. Like, it's just not right. How are you, bro? I'm sweet, man. It's it's been a good day. Nice, nice, messy dog. Ragdolling Vardio, but yeah, it's been it's been sweet. It's been a good good day. Hey, we're gonna talk about your scope of Vardio because Raj, you tweeted something, and I know how much you love this because we used to have a little YouTube channel where we used to do tactical stuff together. And anytime something would happen that Raj backed, he would just tweet the eyes emoji. So you, <laughs> like people would have to scan to find whatever he was chatting about. Um, how are your mentions doing? How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Phone's been a bit hot since the game, but yeah, uh, he got. I think he got. A, um... Man said phone's been hot, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, just, I got to the stage of my footballing, kind of watching life. But you just got to enjoy what you're seeing with Messi. Uh, previously, Ronaldo, not anymore. But yeah, Messi, you got to savor every last minute of it. <laughs> Uh, we are going to talk Messi in a lot more detail. We have a debut. We seem to be having a lot of these during the World Cup. Uh, James, otherwise known as... I'm not going to say your Twitter handle because I cannot... You are Me and you are similar age. It feels weird to say it to you. Wait, how old are you? I'm 30. How old are you? I'm only tw- 23, 23. <laughs> You've got a lot of shit, man. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. Oh, nah, 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 nah. Wow. <laughs> On your debut on the pod, the man just baited his arm. Oh, threw me off. Oh. Anyway, anyway, um, how are you today? How are you? I'm, I'm glad you asked. I'm feeling old, bro. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very good. I finished. I had two course, two pieces of coursework in today, both done. Uh, and I got to watch that messy masterclass and enjoyed every minute of it. Top, man. Well, uh, if you've been listening to the pod, which I feel like you have... Um, Every time a new person comes on, they have to get, deliver us a fun fact about themselves, and that is you today. So give us a fun fact. You actually told me one before we hopped on, but I wonder if you'll remember it. God, I don't know which I don't know what you're referring to, actually. A fun fact about me. Hmm. God, you put me right on the spot there. Uh, let me say one. Um Okay, I'm I'm a referee. Quite a few people know this about me, but I'm a referee and I'm often down at St. George's. So recently I, I met Kevin Nolan down there the other day. I ref Rooney's son. So occasionally I do bits down there and it's it's good fun, I guess. That's the best you'll get from me. Hey, that's not a bad fun fact, you know. Eat man. Eat man with ease. <laughs> Wait, what, what was yours, Kieran? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's not water. Nice. Yeah, that is not bad. That is not bad. I think also, James, you've got a proper squeaky chair, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, I'll stop moving. Sorry, that's my bad. No, nah, don't worry, bro. No ratings pod is on the rise. Once once it gets <laughs> to a certain stage, we'll, we'll fix it with a chair. We'll get we'll get Kieran a new camera. We'll get Raj a full-time gym membership. Everyone's going to be living, you know? <laughs> nah, I'm not moving again. I'm not moving again. I'm standing still for the rest of it. I'm playing. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, for those of you listening, as always, thank you very much for listening. It has been a mad World Cup. We've delivered endless episodes we've yeah it's been mental we've got ryan babble episode loading up right after the world cup we've got a few of the special guests coming on but we still have two or three world cup episodes to go and this one has to start with Lionel messi he has put two feet in a world cup final and possibly both hands both legs the entire body on this goat debate and as well let's just go straight into that kieran if he wins the world cup 
is that goat debate officially over? Considering the fact that the, he's he's quite literally, from an attacking standpoint, dragged this Argentina side to the final. I think personally, like I'm even wearing the Barca jacket right now. I can't I can't say anything else. I think the debate's been over for for a couple of years now, and it pains me to say it because I was definitely a Ronaldo guy growing up, like 100 percent Ronaldo guy. But I think at this point, I mean, now I think he's third overall with um, like goal goal contributions in the world, any World Cup ever. First for Argentina, you know, countless records for Barcelona as well. PSG, he's, he's even pulled it all together. I think there's there's nothing there's nothing more to say at this point. He's just he's done it all. If he gets the World Cup as well, like he doesn't even need it. If he gets it as well, that's just the final nail in the coffin. I feel like wait, Raj, did you? I'm pretty sure didn't you say the start something to do with Ronaldo? It was only like three minutes ago and I've already forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, t- I put a sneaky diss on him early on. Let's hear it, please. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I used to obviously enjoy watching Cristiano a lot as well, but I think it's been numerous years until uh, since I, start, uh, I enjoyed him. He's become a real penalty box poacher now. Don't really enjoy that kind of player as much. Everyone's got their own uh, joys in football. But yeah, Messi's still bringing the most joy out of any player in the sport, in my opinion. Is this sort of like testament to, I mean, you've spoken about Ronaldo being like a penalty box striker. What Messi did to Gavardiol in this particular game, like 35 years of age, Gavardiol mm. has been probably in the top two defenders in this tournament. Mm. And he's a young boy. I think Gary Neville said he's like 14 stone. I can assure you he's definitely not 14 stone. <laughs> <laughs> 14 stone is proper heavy, uh, Gaza. But um, James, in terms of like adapting his game, like what he did to Gavardio was like throwing the years back, but in a completely different way. Yeah, the way the way he plays now, he it's like a snapshot of how he used to be. So he used to, the, the amount of times he dribbled, his volume was so much higher now than before, sorry, before than now. But now he gets the ball and he knows, he's so intelligent now, he knows when to pass and he knows when that little space is there and when he can just accelerate and he still has such explosive pace. And because of the way he uses his body, he doesn't need to be as fast as he used to be because he, the way he faints so quickly, is it's, it's terrifying and I'm just watching through a screen. I don't envy being a defender against him. That, that's an excellent point from on, James as well. That's an excellent point from James. I think he knows now when to beat more men and when to pass. He conserves his energy for certain moments because you look at that Holland first goal, first goal against Holland. He could have easily just carried on that dribble a few more yards, but he thought, "I'm going to release that pass, killer pass in behind the Dutch back four, uh, back five. Uh, and he, and tonight he could have done similarly. He could have passed it immediately, but this time he re- recognised I need to take it on a few more steps and then play the pass to Alvarez. So he's matured I think even better in his decision making than he already was before and that's allowing him to have this longevity also also what you said about adaptability is interesting because he's also changed up his penalty style recently Mm. um he missed that penalty and then the next penalty he took a stutter and then this game he's smashed one into a top corner which is very unusual for him usually puts it in either corner so the fact that he's I don't know just feels able to do that is like no one else. No one else would have the confidence and the aura to do that. James, um, you're, bringing back, you're bringing back bad memories there about smashing penalties from uh, the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to put it out there that Neymar actually was teaching Messi about penalties. I'm just going to put it out there. It's quite well documented. So obviously, you know, the, the higher success rate this World <laughs> Cup can be put down in part to Neymar. He's, I'm gonna put that out there. You didn't you want to take a penalty. Let's, let's remember that one. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that 
<laughs> we're talking about Messi today. We're gonna <laughs> let me sneak in my Neymar proper just. Neymar went hiding, but let's not talk about that. Um, the thing about that, the the whole like Messi performance against Croatia and just Messi this World Cup, actually, I feel like as people have said after the Netherlands game, where if it it looked as if Messi was actually just in a different zone, I think he's actually hit a different zone where he's actually going like, if I don't do it now, that like one Argentinians will never remember me the way they're meant to, two. Football fans will always find me to be like that guy who nearly did it in a World Cup, nearly was Maradona. And I think he's actually just gone, just give me the responsibility. Like, he almost just goes in games, like, give me the ball, man. Like, Enzo, you're not the guy. Julian, you're decent, <laughs> but you're not the guy. Just give it to me, bro. And I put, it's like when you only got a guy in five aside and everyone knows, like, if he gets it in that one angle on the pitch, like, he's getting you a goal. So you just go, here you go. Like, you, you just go and do it. He's, He's a man possessed, man. And when he's possessed like that, he's scary. It was it was after they scored the penalty. He was just letting his balls hang. He he was he had the ball, and he was you've not I've not seen strength like this from him before. But he was just taking the piss. He was just standing there with his body between the ball and man, and he was just saying, "You can't take it off me." And he was he was just playing at his pace. He could do what he wants, and there was nothing they could do to stop him. That's an interesting point. Someone actually tweeted the uh, GFFN account on Twitter said that Liga has made it, made him stronger uh, physically because of, it is actually. I don't, the know. Guy. I don't know about that personally. Well, like they I, they of course they will take the credit. Take the credit. I've, I've seen I've seen I've seen Messi do it. Like he, there's a goal. I think it was um was it no not Getafe. Um, I want to say it might be associated uh, that years ago and he basically, the defender was on his back and he, he's like shrugged, shrugged him off and then the mm-hmm. other one's kind of almost trapped his leg and he's still shaking him off. Then he goes past like three, four players and puts a, a cross goal into the into the other corner. I think you know the goal I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's always, always had that strength. I think now, you know, because he's older and he's not as quick, I think people are looking to highlight, okay, he's he's adjusted this. Where can we kind of, attribute more strength to him than, than you know, than he's already had, sort of thing. What, one thing I think now is different from Messi now to Messi when he was playing for Argentina in the past is he's now staying a bit more higher up the pitch. I think before mm. you used to see him drop so deep, getting involved in midfield sequences. I just didn't like to see it. That, that's kind of the burning image on my mind from the 2018 World Cup because he was taking a bit too much responsibility deeper. Uh, now he's doing all his business in the final third and I think that is making a big difference. Which is which is also why it's really important that they've got a good midfield behind him, midfielders that can progress the ball because he trusts them. He trusts. I I thought Paredes was unlucky to miss a few games, but Enzo, yeah. um, who was on the, who was on right mid, Rodrigo uh, Depaul. Oh, Depaul, Depaul, and I think he's had an underrated tournament. I quite like him as a footballer. Um, he had that one game where he was just everything he touched was kind of stinking, but I do think. He he's a volume player and he makes stuff happen and I think he's been underrated this tournament. You know, for a bloke that's like always smiling, for a bloke that's always smiling, he's actually like one of the most horrible footballers to come up against. He's like whenever the camera's on him, the guy's smiling ear to ear, and I'm like, you you are literally just a bodyguard, bro. Like this the smile, I don't like it. I don't want to see you smile. But um, yeah, you're not wrong. I think like Messi with that midfield behind him and also that defense. I think people are not talking about that back line, which has been so solid this tournament, um, and also has been in this I think 40 game run where they've only lost once. They they do just they defend in in my opinion, in a really basic way. They essentially go, if the ball's in and around the penalty area, we're just going to get it as far away from us as possible, then let the midfield try and recover the ball, and then we'll go from that point. It's a very 
basic way of defending. But if you're completely aware that I don't trust Romero that much on the ball, I don't trust Otamendi that much on the ball, I'm not a huge trusting person in Acuna or Tagnifico maybe a bit more, and Molina, can you guys just progress the ball into our midfield? And if you can't, let the midfield go and win it for us. Yeah, and it, and, and it showed us. It, in terms of the amount of... I'm not sure how many they conceded this game. I think it was like 10 or something. But before this game, they'd conceded so few shots on goal. Um, so Emmy Martinez, you'd, you'd think, considering how little goals they've conceded, you'd think he's been having an unbelievable tournament. But apart from the penalties, he hasn't had that much to do, in all honesty. Yeah, I think that partly down to them being absolute monsters in ground duels. Anything on the floor, they're mopping up. They're closing that space between the midfield and defence. And there's no there's no room to manoeuvre there. You saw that in the Netherlands game. Depay and Gagpo love exploiting those spaces between the lines. Lissandro, Romero, Otamendi were shutting that down straight away. But I think there is a bit of a small weakness. Is obviously bypassing that, going over the top. In the air, you saw what mm. Van Gaal did with Veghorst and um, Luke de Jong. I think that could be one area if France get to the final. They've got Giroud, obviously. That aerial, mm. ass- aerial assault might be the way to get out. But you, you'd like to think Scaloni will learn his lesson and not take off Romero because yeah. he did that. Mm. I'm not, I think he, Romero was on a yellow card, so I think he was a bit nervous about him getting sent off. Mm. Um, but Martinez and Otamendi is probably the shortest centre-back <laughs> partnership you'll get in world football. Hey, brother, I'm telling you, Morocco, forget Giroud, end this series, pump it up. He, he jumped, jumped up wow. to nine foot one. Not, yeah. Don't put li- 93, I saw. <laughs> 93, was it? Yeah, two metres, it was two metres, 93. Yeah, which is nine foot one. Bro, put Otamendi on the ground, put Lissandro Martinez on top of his head. <laughs> they're still not winning that aerial duel, brother. It, it, yeah, they're going to have problems. It was like we'll talk he was, about um, and the series was a dunking on Ronaldo with that. He's like, Cristiano, that's what you used to be able to do, mate. Now I can still do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, didn't beat, he didn't beat Ronaldo's full record, which is the one against, um, I think it was against United, which was 2.95. So I'm going to put that out there as well. Oh, I still wow. got a bit of Ronaldo love in my one against United? Wait, was that yeah, Roma? the one against for, for Real, Madrid, Real Madrid in the oh. Champions League. I want to say it was, 2000 and, it was 2013. Wow. Oh, really? I'm thinking of, there was one for Juventus, which was... Because he hung, I think it was more notable that he hung in the air there. He got yeah. so early and it's like, how do you even defend that? And the one he let he land the way he landed on his knee, but anyway, enough Ronaldo prop. Yeah, man. He, he, he listens to this one crying at the moment. They thought he compared me to in the city. No, no, that's not <laughs> um, anyway. We're waiting for that Ronaldo pod episode, so let me not, yeah. let me not slander a bit too much. Today. <laughs> hey, listen, episode 1000, Ronaldo is coming on. It's a long, 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 long way away. Who's, um, who's, who's Piers Morgan this... in that case? I'll take over the team. I'll take over the team. <laughs> um, Kieran, just on this messy topic, if he wins the World Cup, and I've been thinking about this so much, do you think retiring immediately after from football might be like a great way to end his legacy, like a mic drop sort of moment. Is is there any point even going to Inter Miami at that point? You've won the World Cup. Like you're basically going there to sort of... Like your life after football, really. Yeah, like, yeah, you're going there for a bit of cash to boost boost the league, bit of branding. But is Messi Mm. even going to care about his brand after? I just know Messi's going to have 11 children, try and birth another 11 Messis, and just (laughs) chill on the beach in Marbella or something. He's not going to be doing interviews like Ronaldo. You think this just drop the mic, let it go, let that's it. 
The thing is, I think I think if he did that, it would just it would just be the biggest like f you to football ever. Like I feel like he's still got so much more to give. Like even if he goes that, even if he stays at PSG for another another year, make sure he delivers the Champions League, first ever Champions League to PSG. Mm. That's yet another feather in his cap. Um, I mean, but. <sighs> I do understand think, the point do you about think he retiring. Even cares though. Do you think like if he wins the World Cup, like surely all his care and passion is almost like gone? Like, is he going back to Neymar and Mbappe and going, "Yeah, boys, what are we saying?" I just don't think he is. I think he's just going. This WhatsApp group. I don't know because you see this World Cup. You know, everyone's saying you know he's he's gone up a gear. You know, he's showing up Argentina. I think even at PSG before the World Cup, he was showing like you know he cares. Like he's he's trying a lot a lot harder. I think his running numbers are a lot better. He's contributing mm-hmm. to more goals mm-hmm. um i think if he wins the world cup goes back and and wins the champions league at psg drop mike that's it yeah. like you you've done you, you've done it everywhere you've literally done absolutely probably even more than you set out to do when when he first started his career like it's, it's unbelievable but if he if he ends at the world cup i wouldn't be mad at it and i think it shows much more self-awareness than you know we're seeing from ronaldo now he's saying he's He's going to be at Euro 2024 as well. Yeah, he did. He did say, he said he's not, he's not done yet. Wants to be at Euro 2024. So if Messi can, you know, have the restraint and the almost quality control in a way to just say, you know what, look, I've, I've World Cup. I don't think I can, you know, get any further. This is like the pinnacle of the sport. I'm going to drop the mic, leave it there. You just have to applaud and just say, you know, what, what a wonderful 17, 18 years you've given us. Why? Why is Ronaldo doing that? He he's not even in the first team now. So why does he think in two years' time he's gonna be in their first team? Like I don't know, man. He he does live in a different world, but bless him. He he's chasing Messi's shadow. And the one thing, the one thing I want Messi to do now, apart from obviously win the World Cup, is to take Ronaldo's Champions League goalscoring record. I think that would really put the icing on the cake, and that would be. Then you can drop the mic and let then I'll be... Let him have something, man. What? You're, 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 <laughs> most goal contributions of the World Cup, most knockout goal contributions. Let him have something, man. Like, he'll, stay, he'll still say he's got the most Instagram followers. That's all he cares about. <laughs> <laughs> is, the thing is, with the Ronaldo thing, in all fairness, wasn't it Jose Mourinho at Madrid who converted Ronaldo into a nine? Like, yeah. So, yeah. and if Mourinho goes and gets this job at Portugal... You never know. Like I'm very much so of the of the like. Oh, what if this happens? I'd love this for the drama. I'd love this for the storyline. Mm. You never know. Euro 2024. Jose gets hold of Ronaldo and goes, "Go and play up front. Just be like. Don't even be a nine, brother. Just be a tree in the box, and we will make <laughs> everything else happen for you. Like why not? You never know. You never know. Assault. Just just go full full mid mid 2010 Stoke on him. Just aerial assault. <laughs> yeah. Every ball into him now. Give Ronaldo the Cameron Jerome role. There's yeah, nothing else. Throwback Cameron Jerome. Jesus scored a mad goal against Liverpool. Raj, I feel like you're probably going to remember that, innit? Yeah, yeah. It was horrible, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I saw it. literally saw it today. That is proper. Are you just saying <laughs> that? <Cameron Jerome>? <laughs> that that's, that's, why, that's why he brought it up to me. <laughs> no, basically, basically like, uh, this is kind of a side note, but like, I put out a tweet talking about uh, like just random mid-table shy because I, I, I grew up on so I was like Kenwin Jones because Cameron Jerome uh, Carlton Cole and who's the fourth one did you, were you are you are you old enough to remember Ricardo Fuller oh, yeah hey. he was he was, he was a cold <laughs> baller 
another another one who's in the comments. I was just like, yeah, like that's who. Uh, so then someone just put like a Cameron Jerome goal, that specific Cameron Jerome goal. So it's just interesting that you decided to talk about that. Say, someone's just sat at home listening to this going, World Cup, yeah, six at Cameron Jerome. Why am I listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the Jamie, Jamie Vardy from the last episode, man. Oh, brother, don't get me started. James, you weren't there. Neither was Kieran, <laughs> but... No, Kieran, no, Kieran, no, Kieran was, was there, there actually. James, you weren't there. Let's just move on. I don't want to talk about Jamie Vardy on another pod for no reason. Oh, it's a World Cup podcast. Um, I'm going to talk about someone who is somewhat related to Jamie Vardy, not by any relation in terms of bloodline, but in terms of position. Um, this came up earlier, and I thought this was really interesting. Away from Messi, over to England. If Harry Kane is at the bottom end of the goals importance ratio, who are some players at the very opposite end of the spectrum? Firstly, let's talk about the first part of that sentence. Harry Kane being at the bottom end of the goals to importance ratio. Uh, James, you're an Arsenal fan, so I feel like you're probably the right sort of person to answer this. Well, he's he's scored a few goals against Arsenal, so he's. I think he scored a goal that knocked us out of the top four in... Emery's last season, which was a blessing in disguise, to be fair. So maybe it was quite important to Arsenal fans and not to Kane. Um, overall, oh, it's a weird one because I hate the trophy debate. There's all this thing about whether how good can a player be without trophies? Does trophies define a player? I don't know the answer. Um, but I think it is true that he's obviously achieved nothing in his career. And I think he has a few years left where he wanted to leave. And he didn't quite have the bottle, ironically, to force his way out of Spurs. And look, I get it because he's a legend at Spurs. So to force his way out all of a sudden taints his legacy. But at this point, he's running out of time to win trophies in his career. And he will just go down as a a great striker, but not one of the greats. So he will be seen as a, a top, top goal scorer but he won't be seen as an Alan Shearer who took Blackburn to a league title. Um, And I think that's the difference. I think in terms of legacy, he needs something if he's going to retire as a great. Speaking of taking teams to um, league titles as as an England striker, Jamie Vardy um, (laughs) from Fleetwood. <laughs> he, he did it. Not just not just a league title, an FA Cup as well. I think I saw this tweet. I think I saw what you're talking about. Yeah, because me, meet you did it. You know, league league cup with Swansea. Um, who else we got? We got um, Wigan won the FA Cup. Like, there's a lot of teams who've you know not, not been top top end teams who've managed to do it. And Kane's. I think had eight. I think it's eight finals. Mm. Not even a shot on target. In a, in a yeah, let, let's not pretend that also Spurs are a mid-table team. They've been they've been there or thereabouts for long enough. Um, but he's never been able to push them over the line. Whether it's his fault or not, um, he's never had that effect on them. There's there will always be like a defense in Kane's favor essentially he is an outstanding footballer before the spurs fans listen to this saying we're not we're not saying he's not a good footballer he's an outstanding footballer but there definitely is a question there a question mark around like he's an outstanding footballer is he one of the world's best footballers if he can't drag his team or his nation over the line when the time comes to it? you just said eight finals and he hasn't registered a shot on time he's a center forward like you know like joseph desiri job another premier league legend i'm pretty sure he's played in one final and he's registered a shot and a goal um, so I'm not comparing Kane to Joseph Desiri job, but um, Raj, you've tweeted a lot about Harry Kane 
uh, and I feel that like you are probably in the same sort of end as James. However, the trophy debate comes to probably one of your favorite players in Steven Gerrard, where people will always go, he hasn't won a Premier League title. So how great is he truly? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the trophy debate. I think there is too much place on team achievements when judging a player's career. But as you guys have noted, the individual performance of Kane in those finals has been very poor. And I'm a strong believer in the psychological aspect of sport. And I think, as James is, I think you're doing a master's, is it, James, in, in psychology? But yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I think that's played a big role in his performances as well. You can't tell me that second penalty, if he didn't have a bit more of a clearer frame of mind, I saw an analysis today from uh, ITV on it. His his actual technique of the penalty changed. He was a bit more upright, which caused him to lift it over the bar. So th- if he was a bit colder in that in- instance, would he have put that away? So I think he maybe do- it has now. It becomes a snowball effect as well. The more finals you have where you underperform, the hard that the greater that effect's going to be on your on your mental state in the, in those big games. So yeah, I think that is playing a big role in, in what we've seen with him. But if we one defense, I'll give him one defense, and I'm, I'm. It's very rare that I would defend Harry Kane, but you know he's played with Lloris for eight years, and it's pretty, it's pretty, probably the only time that you're gonna gonna be in a situation where you're, you know, taking a second penalty that high stakes against someone who's literally with you in training every day for the last last eight years. I think that's probably got it's got it's got to weigh on your mind at that at that point. So I've got to, yeah, I'll give I'll give him the benefit of the doubt with that one, even though it. it I. I, I stand with Karen on that as well, and I tweeted this out, and it had very, very mixed opinions from people. Um, I also think you've got to look at it from this standpoint, is when you go into a big, big game like this, your thought is always, OK, if I get a penalty, where am I putting it? And he would have gone into the game thinking, right, I'm putting it bottom left, I'm going to smash it like I always do. Um, and Lloris didn't get it. And then he goes into the second penalty, and he hasn't pre-planned this. So now he's got to come up with it on the spot, Whilst also this penalty had gone through a VAR check, so that's another disturbance. So this all disturbance is unsettling him and it's an unusual situation for him to be in against the keeper who knows him so well. So he's thinking, shit, I can't put it in the same places that I usually do. He's tried to go in the top corner, which is statistically the best place to take a penalty, but it's also the riskiest because as soon as you miss the target, you're done. Um, And as I say, it's a matter of... It, it wasn't close, to be fair, but it's a matter of, in terms of your foot positioning, you slightly get it off, and then the world's calling you a fraud. It's a, I, it, I the interesting want... thing is, Rambo, you'll, you'll be interested in this one. You're, you're, you love Jordan Henderson, as we all know. Um, that some guy did a thread on Henderson's role in the two penalties. Obviously, he was off for the second penalty, but for the first penalty, he blocked off France's players from disturbing Kane around the penalty spot. Second penalty, Henderson is not there, the French players are a bit more around him. So that might have also played a part as well. That's that's interesting you mentioned that as well, because I think um, I've noticed Liverpool specifically um, do that a lot of penalties. Certain clubs have really been briefed around not allowing external disturbances. And sometimes nowadays they even have a fake penalty taker. It's impossible with England because everyone knows it's going to be Kane. Uh, but some teams will even have one player come up, put the ball down on the spot, and the other guy hang at the back, wait till that's all calmed down, and allow himself to compose and then step up. Um, I think the psychology of penalties is fascinating, as with a lot of other things. I, as, as I said to you before we started recording, I love psychology. Um, so, yeah, I could talk about this all day. The thing you just mentioned there about 
fake penalty takers. That really rings a bell with a recent game we've watched. I think someone had the ball in their hand as if they were going to take the penalty and then someone came along and took it off them and then put the mm. ball down. By then it was time to take the penalty. Um, can't remember the game. If it comes to me, I will mention it. Um, I think Jordan Henderson's role in that is huge. I think in a, in a World Cup situation, because a lot of the debate afterwards, should Kane have taken it? I think there's a lot more uproar if someone else takes it and they miss than if Kane misses it. If Saka turns up and takes the pen and misses, people oh, yeah. go, why on earth has Kane not taken it? He's yeah, the yeah. principal penalty taker. I think it's a lot easier in hindsight to say, why is he taking it a yeah. second time? Um, I don't believe it. that. In, in my, yeah, I think the psychological side there is like critical, though, because the second penalty, he knows for a fact if he blows that chance, the momentum's gone and the team's in the gutter and the pressure is on. And then on top of that, you've got the France players in his ears who all speak English. You've got a keeper against you who definitely knows a lot about you and has definitely said a few things. Um and I think in the end, the situation ends up as it is. And now there's all this talk about him being a fraud, um, which comes back to this point of like, if he's at the bottom end of the goals to importance ratio, who's at the top end of that? Um, Kieran, I, f- I feel like you're going to scream Neymar any minute. So I'm going to just, I'm going to give it to you. Like, if you want to go for Neymar, please. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because for once, I genuinely wasn't going to say Neymar. This is probably the only time I won't, I won't sneak in a bit of Neymar, bro. Um... I'd say between Giroud and Origi, because it feels like oh, a wow. like every time, every time I've watched watched, and I'm not gonna pretend I'm like this avid Origi fan, but like <laughs> every every time I've, I've watched him, you got the Champions League. There was the one derby against um, Everton where it was, yeah. uh, it was night was it 97th minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just got the win, and and it just feels like every every time it's always it's never it's never really like a consolation goal. If he if he pops up with a goal, it's always always at a really important time. And then Giroud, I mean. We all know Giroud. Giroud's finals records is, is ridiculous. You've got the one with Chelsea. Um, I mean, with, with France, it's not always it's not been finals, but every game it seems that France are kind of backs against the wall. He takes the go ahead goal, even against England the other day. Like, yeah, I think Giroud and Origi for me. I feel like Ronaldo must be in for a shout. It's quite an obvious shout, but like Mr. Champions League, like he's done a, done it many times in the Champions League. League maybe a tiny bit less so. Um, I feel a lot of people would have gone Ronaldo right off the bat. I'm trying to think, of, Raheem Sterling could potentially be up there. Like for, I know he's also had high-profile misses as well, so he could yeah, potentially there run. There was the run in nineteen twenty, like the Southampton, uh, Bournemouth. Like week after week, he was just getting these really late, late winners and just really, just really necessary. I'll tell you who um, is on the Kane end, maybe of the spectrum. Not necessarily for... Because in the league, he was obviously unbelievable. I might shock you here, but Henri yeah. uh, doesn't have a very good record in cup finals. Yeah. Uh, and the Champions League final one comes to mind where um, there's, there's a short compilation. It's overblown, of course, but um, he didn't have his best game there. And I don't know... I think he speaks about himself um, in hindsight saying, yeah, he just he just wasn't wasn't naturally the guy in finals. And then I guess going back onto the other end of the spectrum, Drogba, um, oh, who is, yeah, yeah, yeah he speaks for himself. Yeah. Out every, every time. There's also another one on the uh, Kane spectrum as well. Uh, not what I one that gets mentioned is Zlatan Ibrahimovic in Champions League, especially. He's actually made the most appearances in the Champions League while ever winning it, and he's got around ten goals, I think, in 45 games. Um, and some of those performances were honestly horrific. 
There was a knockout to Liverpool with Inter Milan. There was a knockout to Liverpool again with Juventus. There was a knockout to Chelsea with PSG. And he missed some absolutely huge chances in all of those. And there's a few more, I can't really remember. Oh, Barcelona versus Inter. When he actually played for Barca, mm. he delivered some absolutely horrific performances. So Zlatan is actually on the bottler spectrum as well. Um, and if you remember the Milan derby as well, when it was Conte's last season at Inter, Lukaku versus Ibra, it was a hyped-up battle. Lukaku actually won it. And Lukaku has been a bit of a bottler himself. Uh, so, yeah, Zlatan lost that one as well. Um, and one on the spectrum of who produces big goals, I'll put Ivan Perisic in there. Funnily enough, Kane's teammate you, at Spurs. You love this guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, is an, he's an underrated guy. He does, he does do it. Yeah, you look at his 2018 World Cup, he produced a big goal against England. You look at this World Cup, big equaliser against Japan. Inter Milan, his uh, running for the Conti's last season was phenomenal in terms of goals and assists. He qualified Inter for Champions League group stages with two assists last year. Qualified Spurs for Champions League knockouts um, uh, this year with an assist against uh, Marseille in the last game. Also Bayern Munich when they won the Champions League. In that running, he produces big goals and assists. So he's he's got the clutch gene as Listen, well. Listen, when I told you how much this guy loves him, I didn't yeah, think he was going to remember every assist, every goal, every game. I was thinking that oh, I'm so inferior. He's just be fair. Also, I've got this is like my only one that I know about him. He's got the most uh, World Cup goals and knockout goals, obviously, uh, for Croatia, which is which wow. is really impressive. Nice. But and, regardless, I'm, yeah, I've never seen anyone go that hard for Perisic in my life. That was very impressive. <laughs> very impressive. And and. He represented Croatia at the Olympics for beach volleyball, which was oh, yeah, a fun fact that, about him, guess. if you didn't know. What? Um, yeah, if you didn't know that, that's a wild fact. Anyway, i got two more. I know we could be here all day, but one on the good side, Gareth Bale, of course, yes. uh, for Wales and for Real Madrid. And one on the bad side that I don't think Raj is going to be very happy with me for is Suarez, because we were talking about Champions League records and his oh, Champions yeah, League yeah. away record was disgraceful for a long time. I think he yeah. went something like four or five years without scoring a Champions League away goal, which is pretty impressive. No, that's funny you mentioned that. I actually, I actually propped Benzema ahead of Suarez because of that. I, I had them. Yeah. I did this with. We had a debate on this on another show. I think Benzema's now clutch gene in the Champions League. I've got him ever so slightly ahead of Luis Suarez in career terms now because of that. And people disagree with me all the time. It's, it's hard. All right, well, okay, one more player comparison then. When all is said and done, who goes down with a better legacy, Ibrahimovic or Giroud? Because, um, oh, you were, yeah, we you spoke were just about this. That. We spoke about this. K- Kieran, Kieran said Giroud and he got like lynched for it, but if Giroud yeah, goes they, and wins they, the they, World they, Cup, they really, they're really written for that one. But, um, I think Raj has, Raj has now given some extra, extra context as to <laughs> why I might be saying this, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to still say Giroud because in terms of where, if you look at Giroud from Montpellier or you look at Zlatan when he was at Ajax, where you think the trajectories of their careers are, uh, you know, are going to go. If you're thinking who, which out of those two players is going to be the one who's come up with World Cup, Champions League, you're thinking, yeah, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Giroud's the one who's come up with, with the World Cup. I know you're going to say, yeah, Zlatan played for Sweden, but Giroud didn't even make his French debut until he was 25. Yeah, and in that so, Champions League winning run, he produced, I remember, an amazing uh, overhead kick against Atletico Madrid away, which was a crucial goal into for Chelsea to win the Champions League. Um, so he can't, you can't say he's not contributed to those trophies. He's their top scorer. He was offside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also in the Giroud camp. I mean, I think it's publicly known that I don't love Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the footballer. I prefer his character than I do the footballer. I think he's, he's like one of these guys that he definitely talks a lot. He backs it to some extent, but he backs it just enough, but not to like the elite, elite level. And then he, he'll, he'll not waffle for a while. I mean, like I, I literally saw his tweet the other day when he scored at LA Galaxy, and the tweet was "I am LA," and I was like, brother. Like, like Samuel L. Jackson lives in LA, man. Like you're not LA. <laughs> you're not, Chill. I well, trust me, you're not that guy. When, yeah, when Lukaku scored, I think two, and then called him a son of a beep. I thought that's the end of Zlatan as an image. You just got done by Romelu Lukaku. See you later, my friend. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, just going full circle on Harry Kane very quickly. At this moment in time, uh, where does Harry Kane rank in your in your top strikers in the world? Um, I'll come to you first, James, because I feel like whatever you say will probably set the tone for what everybody else is because you're an Arsenal fan. Okay. Um, this is tough because Benzema, he, he's been out recently, hasn't he? I, I'll still go second, you know, uh, behind Lewandowski. Uh, but again, this is Lewandowski's weird because he was so good last season and now he's been... A, why are you pulling that face, Kieran? Please speak to me. <laughs> Because you know he's above him. He's literally in the same league and he's dunking on him week in, week out. It's Erling Haaland. It's number one in the world right now. It's got to be. Oh, okay. I did forget. I did forget. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Let's make it fair. Let's say the last last five years, the top, top where is Harry Kane in you? You can't do Erling like that, man. No. <laughs> it's only way. fair because at the moment we're going in form. Benzema's injured. So if Benzema's by any chance listening to this and we want to get him on the pod one day, he's going to be like, oh, well, yeah, they don't even chat to me like I'm in the top five. So let's say the last five years, where where does Harry Kane sit? Second behind Lewandowski still. Okay, that, that yeah, that's my answer. Now, for the last five years, I'd cool, because cool, you know... Um, I'm going to take Erling out the equation. Okay, bye. <laughs> I forgot about it, to be fair. I won't lie. See, see, you're not top okay. of my agenda. Well, wait, I don't five, need... years. five years? Can we not bring Aguero back into the discussion? If yeah, he's back in, five years? back in there. Yeah. Absolutely right. not. What? I only look at teams above in the league. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to knock these guys off their pedestal, man. Quick. Wait, what's, so uh, what's your top three, James? Lewandowski? Uh, Lewandowski, Kane, and I guess I guess we'll go on. We'll, we'll put Benzema in there third, um, unless again I'm missing someone massive and everyone's pulling a face at me. Um, and going back to what we were saying about Kane earlier, I think the fact that he's not winning trophies is damaging himself for individual accolades. Um, yeah, yeah. Because if he'd won a Champions League, he'd have, he'd have probably got a Ballon d'Or. Um, uh, and how and did he not get the? A, has he won a PFA Player nah. of the Year? He should have got it no, in the 2020-21 uh, season, but um, obviously KDB got it somehow. Because he won the league, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And people people value that. They look at the league leaders. At the end of the World Cup, whoever wins out of Messi and Mbappe will probably win the Golden Ball, irrespective of what's happened before then, because they'll look at the numbers and say, he's won the World Cup, he's done mm. this, he wins it. Mm. Messi should win it anyway, but that's a different story. <laughs> um Go on, Raj, what's your top three? Top three, I, I can't believe the disrespect to Karim Benzema I'm hearing here. Honestly, this guy is complete <laughs> in every sense of the word. A top top playmaker, top goal scorer now, clutch in the Champions League. And he was years. also, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five years. He's been doing it since 2018-19 now as a main I'm man. Pulling up, I'm pulling up. Five years, we get five years. We get 2017-18 in there right now. Yeah, no, 17 Yeah, 17 We can't let that five-five league goes. That's bad. Yeah, but he still dunked on um, Liverpool in the final with uh, what he did to Carriers. That's true, but. You're right, you're right though. Po- I'm looking at the numbers now. In the last five years, basically since Ronaldo left, yeah. Benzema has been top, top. Before that, his, his goal record is a little bit spooky at times. Yeah. Uh, but in recent in recent times, just five years, that, he's still third for me. But I respect him for that. Bringing that back to Lionel Messi, I think that's one thing that I think people miss with Messi and Ronaldo. Messi makes his teammates a lot better. He's getting guys like Pedro assists all over the place, getting him to 20 goal seasons. I think Cristiano has affected a number of players in terms of how well they play, and Karim Benzema is one of them. Um, and I think another one also. That you've... I can't agree with that because Benzema literally missed six. It was like a record number of big chances. Mm. In yeah, you can't put you can't put that on Ronaldo. Like, but Ronaldo's not making Benzema miss those chances. No, but that was that was that was a, a, a one freak season. On the other seasons, he was performing fairly well with his expected goals. Fairly well. I think that there's probably a psychological element to that, though. Like, I feel like Benzema was quite happy being, like, second fiddle to Ronaldo, whereas yeah. now, like, he's wearing the big leather jacket. Do you know what I mean? Like, and now he, now he knows he's the boy. Like, he doesn't have to make rap songs on the side. Yeah. Also, let's not think about the Wayne Rooney effect as well. Rooney only had his best goal-scoring scenes after Ronaldo left. That's another guy who got better without him. Is, yeah, but as stupid as it sounds, Ronaldo's been the main penalty taker every team he's been at. Obviously, Messi has as well. But when you're looking at Benzema's stats and he's getting 15, 17, 11, if you add six six penalty goals to that each season, all yeah. of a sudden they look fairly respectable. So yeah. Ronaldo, Rooney's getting his best goal scoring seasons when Ronaldo's not there, but he's also on penalties for the first time. Because I don't think, I think Ronaldo was on penalties at United. Mm. So yeah. And I I'm, I'm not a Ronaldo fan, so I like, I like just that. to clear like, that up, just to clear that up. You came to the dark side for a little bit. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Good day. Hey, Raj, let's hear your uh, final three. I'm going to go... Um, I've got Kareem the Dream at the top. I've got Lewandowski second, Kane third. Kieran, throwing a spanner in the works here. He's a guero scraping right. in. I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to put it I'm going to put it out there. Last five years, um, I, I reckon you've got to go... Lewandowski's got the Champions League, so I'm going to, I'm going to get, give him one. But I'm going to put Aguero in at two. And I'm going to put Kane in at three. Ooh, Actually, no, Benzema. Kane doesn't make it. Kane doesn't make yeah, it. Wow. Kane doesn't. Kane doesn't make it. Oh. He doesn't have the Ballon d'Or to show for it, does he? You bet. The, um, other, two, the other two have Ballon d'Ors. Lewandowski, Lewandowski did he get one in the end? Yeah, no, he does in my mind. He didn't get it. Nah, I think you got to get. I think you got to get Kane out of there, man. Because if you've got five years, you've got the Centurion season, you've got the 18, 19 season, even got 2021 if you want to be a bit cheeky. <laughs> Aguero is undeniable. Um, uh, my my three would be I love Kane, man. I actually love Kane. Um, but it'd be Lewandowski, uh, Benzema. I feel like we're messy. Like, Salah's not a striker, but if I could put Salah in the board. Could um, we consider Mbappe a striker? I know, I know, he's not now. If you're thinking five nah, years, you put Mbappe, even put on Instagram, Mbappe he's not, he put on Instagram, he doesn't want to be a striker, man. 
Yeah, he's a wide forward, isn't it? Um, Kieran, Kieran, I'm going to challenge your Aguero shout because availability is the best ability. And um, he only scored, in the last five years, the most he scored in a season was 21 goals. And um, he did only make 22 starts in that season, but also he wasn't fit for half of the season, which is partly his fault. Whether it's his fault or not, you've got to be judged... If you're if you're top top, you've got to be judged on being able to play thirty eight games in a season. Unfortunately, I, I agree to a degree, but it's, how can you argue with twenty one goals and twenty three starts if he's fit for a full season? Like you've seen, you've seen when he's fit for a full season, what, what happens every single year? Go on and win the league. You can put, when... put Yaya Sanogo up front for City. Oh, yeah, You know Yaya Sanogo <laughs> follows James on Twitter. He wants it as a clip. He's like, let me get it. Yaya Sanogo from Very random fact for you here, James, just as an Arsenal fan. Jeremy Aliadier, for whatever reason, I have his number. And he added me to a oh, really? group like, last week and I don't know why. <laughs> he does he does some Arsenal like media stuff. He seems like a cool guy to be fair. Yeah, proper random. Um a lot he, he he's always wearing a cap. Just I, I don't know, I only know that from his WhatsApp picture. So I'm saying it like always like I see him every day. O- only on his WhatsApp picture which he probably hasn't changed that often. Um very quickly my top 3 I'm going to go Lewandowski, Benzema and I'll go with Kane, but I feel we're missing someone. So someone Sorry. Not, no, we've spoken about him. We've, we've, I, I thought about it, but we've, we've spoken about his Champions League record being a problem. Also, yeah. like technically, the last three years, the man's legs have not been working. So... Hey, two on twenty-two league title with Atletico. Yeah, but, but nah, nah, nah. He nah, still nah. looked like, yeah. look bang average in that season. Honestly, he was just patient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. He bagged a few important goals, but that was it. Yeah. Um, very, very quickly before we go, I said we talk about Morocco. Uh, so just very quickly, we're going to talk about Morocco in the next episode anyway, post the France-Morocco game where, inshallah, Morocco have won. Um, they fully deserve their props, man. Like If Morocco managed to somehow win the World Cup, it, for me anyway, it tops Greece 2004, it tops Leicester winning the Premier League. It's genuinely like the most un, like undisputed shock, surely, right? Am I missing anything? No, I'd, I'd agree. I, I like um, Amir uh, dropped a, an article about, you know, uh, the relatability um, for like a lot of uh, the, like the Muslim community to see, you know, players like them representing and, and doing so well. And me, my personal favourite player this World Cup has been Buffal. Like everyone knows me. I like, I like a lot of, I like, I like my five-star skillers. I like my ballers. And he's been, he's been hoofing on them, man. He's been dropping skills. He's been dropping body feints. You know, he made Lorente just eat. Oh, bro, that one was bro, so cold. Disgusting. Like, I think he, he's he's been probably my favourite player to watch this World Cup. I mean, obviously, you know, he had that amazing solo goal at Southampton a few few years back. And it's just nice to see, you know, see players that, you know, you know, there's always this thing about, oh, like a player who you haven't seen for a few years at club level, then he turns up at the World Cup for his nation and he's just, you know, balling out of his mind. I think Bufal's just been, been crazy good. And Amrabat as well. Amrabat, I hadn't, hadn't really watched him too much before the World Cup. It's been unreal as well. He, he's 100% getting a move to the Premier League. 110. Liverpool? Wow. You, say, you say Liverpool. Liverpool again, Enzo Fernandez and Bellingham, according to recent reports. Which nah, is man. Like, the surely second, not. The second Liverpool are signing someone before Liverpool have announced it, you know that person's not signing. Because Liverpool tend to do their business quite discreetly. So yeah, true, true. Now, Enzo's not joining Liverpool. I'm putting it out there right so where's, now. Where's Bellingham going? Because I'm not sure about Enzo, but Bellingham, the, the links have been strong. 
Nah, man, I don't know. I think there's a lot of propaganda where like people are finding pictures of him with Henderson and, and Trent. He definitely spends lots of time with Rashford. He definitely spends lots of time with Saka. Like, I think there's a lot of propaganda around it. There's going to be the whole flight thing as well when his deal comes. People going, oh, look, he's on a flight. He's coming to Liverpool. And it's, yeah, it's not going to be nice when he doesn't go to Liverpool. I don't think either are going to Liverpool, but you never, ever know, man. Um, Raj, quickly on Morocco. What do Morocco have to do to beat France? You're the tactical guy. Have you have you drafted up a little tweet about positions? And if yeah. he's not there, this could happen. I, th- I think there is a few weaknesses that they can get at. I think you look at the England game. England got their most joy down that right-hand side. Henderson... From the right side, number eight position stayed a bit wider. Saka came inside, gave Fia Hernandez an absolute torrid time. Um, I think that right hand side, because Mbappe doesn't track back all the way, they the way the way France defend, they defend in a four four two. Rabio is meant to cover that left wing slot, but sometimes because he's making runs forward, he doesn't get back in time. So I think if Morocco can override that right hand side, especially because they've got that number eight Anahi, I like the look of him. He looks like a bit Baller. of a cover. Kovacic light, the way he can carry the ball uh, away from pressure. If he can escape Rabio, then you get Hakimi bombing on, on the overlap. Fia Hernandez ain't strong 1v1. I think that right-hand side can be targeted for Morocco. Um, and they just need to give Hakimi a bit more licence. I felt sometimes they do restrict him a bit in terms of defensively. Obviously, you have to when you've got Mbappe there. We need someone else. Maybe Amrabat comes across and helps him out a bit more so he can get further forwards. So, yeah, that, that could be one potential area. I think I think Amrabat might have his hands full with probably France's second best player this tournament, Griezmann though, um, mm-hmm. because I know there's been someone tweeted this and I thought it's so true. There's so much talk about Mbappe, but if you stop the supply line, because it's not just Mbappe, it's Mbappe and Giroud. If you stop the supply line in Griezmann, then you're going half the way there to nullify in France. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just one thing I have to contribute to the conversation. I don't know if you saw um, the this there was this picture circulating about. Um, Arteta did this seminar on the game against City, Cleary, <laughs> um, where we won 2-1 and we basically produced this masterclass low block and we were passing out from pressure and uh, being efficient in our attacks. And I think you've been able to see that so, so clearly from Morocco with the way they've been compact, they know their limits and then the distances are all right in defence. They're knocking it about and they're so efficient in their attacks. They choose their moments when to clear it and choose their moments when to pass it out. And I do think you see shades of Arteta, um, <laughs> but that's n- absolutely not to take away the credit um, from Morocco's manager. I think they've been unbelievable. Um, I just think thought it, I saw that today and I thought it was quite interesting. Where do you find it's that like seminar? Little... Is that uh, probably a listener will probably be interested in that as well? Uh, it was on like Euro Golf Foot. You don't. You obviously can't see the whole seminar. It was just a snapshot of him in the Zoom call, basically. Oh right. Um, okay. It, it it did quite a lot of numbers on Twitter, so I'm sure it's circulated a bit by now. I need to find that seminar. I'll, I'll, I'll send it I've got I've got a bookmark that I'll send it to you. Yeah, that. of course you've got a book. Send it over. <laughs> no worry, I got you. I got you. Any Arteta problem I'm here right. for it. Um, <laughs> all right, as always, before we leave you, we're gonna leave you with an icebreaker, which is something we will post out on socials that we'll get your replies from and hopefully discuss it in the next episode. But there's so many episodes going back to back. There's going to be a day where we just drop bare icebreakers because we just got them sat in the tank loaded up and we've just not spoken about them. I love this one. So have a think about this because I'm going to come to you guys. If footballers were stocks, looking back, whose shares would you have invested in before the World Cup started? I've got mine because mainly because I saw the question ages ago. Um, 
if I was to, when I invest in shares, I tend to go like rogue. No, this is not share advice. Now, there's no finance company backing this. Just a quick FYI. Even right now, I would have probably gone with someone like Onahi. I know we just mentioned him, but the reason I thought of him is because one, not many people know him. So in the shares world, you've got to try and find ones that other people aren't backing. And two, his value is going to skyrocket. Like if he was a 1 million player at the start of the tournament, he's an 11 million player right now. And that is a, a big, big growth. So someone like him, I would have definitely back. Jude as well, on a safe scale, because you knew for a fact before he came into the tournament, people would have paid like 70, 80 million for him. You now know people are going to pay 120, 130. That's still nearly a 100% increase. So those are my two. Any ideas, Kieran? I'd go Amrabat. I'd go Amrabat because, again, like if I'm honest, like before before the the World Cup, I genuinely thought when when they were mentioning Amrabat at first, I thought they were talking about Norden. I didn't actually, I didn't actually know that. Yet. I, I was like, he's still he's still playing even now. So I I, I would have gone gone Amrabat and Norden Amrabat. By the way, I had a feeling he was still playing. He is still playing. He's playing in the Greek Super League for AAK. AEK Athens. Yeah, yeah. Is he related? Is he related? Yeah, they're Sophia? brothers. What a brother! Oh, what a brother! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to, you need to get yeah. Norden, get Norden on the pod, man. Hey, listen, we're working on Sofian. Don't worry about that. The second one. Second one. Come back to me on the second one. I'll, I'll have a second one for you in a, in a bit. No rush. Go on, James. So, so just to expand on your Anahi point, because. Um, he, yeah, I'd say he's a big one for me as well. It was interesting because a lot of people have like brought up under 23s, like ball carrying and ball progression numbers. Um, and he's been up there this season, but people just, he's one of those names that you see him on the chart and it doesn't really stand out to you because you don't know who he is. Yeah. Mm. But now at the World Cup, everyone's like, by the way, the statistician, the statisticians are like, we told you, he's he's on this chart, look at him. And everyone's like, oh, he's quite good, isn't he? He's quite good. So he's he's clearly one of them. Um, and I guess the other one, look, this is obvious, but you can't shy away from who, who I don't know how you say his first name. I'm going to butcher it. Julian Alvarez. Julian. Um, Julian. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> if you want. I went safe. Um, but obviously, people, people liked him and people saw him as a prospect. But... Um, he really has just staked a name for himself, being one of the top strikers of this World Cup. He scored four goals in probably just as many games in four, four games, games. Um, since he came in for Lautaro Martinez, who was missing so many chances. He's come in, been clinical. Um, it was very unfairly not spoken about today because of Messi. Um, that is the way of the world. But again, he scored one. He scored well one goal where he was very cleverly moved into the box uh, found the space and the other goal where it just is persistence to keep going and to find himself in that position and he won the penalty right as well so he got two goals and effectively the assist Um, and because Messi is Messi he doesn't get spoken about but yeah I guess he's a fairly obvious one but he can have my stocks my tournament go on Raj I feel like you, you're looking at your like something below you so you're just taking some notes Arsene Wenger style <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going for uh, Alexis McAllister I think this guy has showed what a well balanced midfielder he is he can carry the ball well he can get in the box and score goals 
He's a decent tackler and ball recoverer. And technically, this guy, no pressure phases him. He'll play out of any kind of pressure. And you look at the variety of roles he's he's been playing in. Brighton, he dictates the play from the base of midfield. Argentina's been playing more on the side of the midfield as a number eight. And sometimes on the wing as well. This guy, I don't see many weaknesses in his game as a midfielder. I think I think just to expand on that, he's it's for Argentina personally. I I just I just love that. <laughs> he's one of the most versatile players we've seen in a while because, as you say about him playing as a number six for Brighton, and he used to play at times he played as a centre forward for Brighton. So it's mm. it's quite amazing, and it shows like a level of tactical maturity. And how old is he? I don't think 23. he's... 23. like 24. There you go, 23. But he plays, he plays like an old footballer mm-hmm. who's not got the legs, but he's just got the intelligence. So, yeah, def- definitely agree with that one. Listen, also, like Kieran just said then, it's mad to me that when the Argentinian national anthem happens, he belts it out louder than anyone else. And I'm like... <laughs> Brother, you are like barely Argentinian. I love it. Like, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it in a great way. Like it's mental. Um, Have you seen his dad? The picture yes. His <laughs> dad. His dad played with Maradona. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. As well. They set up. A, they set up a club. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but the, Maradona and his dad actually set up a club in Argentina together. It's quite quite cool. Listen, uh, no wonder McAllis is a baller. He probably has some sort of connection to Maradona. Um, right. That is all we have time for on uh, this episode of the No Ratings Pod. If you're new here, make sure you follow the pod on socials at No Ratings Pod. Uh, of course, follow the guys. All the links will be in the description. And if you listen on Spotify or Apple or Google, basically wherever you're listening to the podcast, follow, like, tell your grand, tell your dog. There's only a few more episodes of the World Cup to go. Stick some headphones on your cat. Get your cat to listen to it. Everyone's happy. We'll see you next time. I'll be good.